Welcome to the Overflow Podcast. We pray you are encouraged by this message. For more info, notes, or other messages, visit our website at overflowdfw.com. We're starting a series today on the life of Jacob. Jacob would would go on to be called Israel. And so this this series has been in me for a long time. It's been really hard for me to get motivated because I see myself so much in this story. Sometimes that's helpful and sometimes it's kind of like, oh, it's so intimidating. So Jacob's story in the Bible starts like many other stories in the Bible. It doesn't, doesn't start on a high note. It starts on a low note. The story of Jacob starts in the same as his granddad's did. The story starts like Abraham and Sarah. The story starts in barrenness. And then and then his father and, and wife, his mother, were also barren. And so the story of Jacob starts in barrenness. And how many know that God works in barrenness? God works in the desert. God works in the wilderness. Come on. God works in the belly of wells. He works in nations of exile. He looks at, he, he works in the, in the most unlikely of places is where God likes to move. And so when we talk about barrenness, whether it be a, a literal barrenness or maybe it be barrenness of soul, when we speak of barrenness, we, we must understand that barrenness does not mean hopelessness. In fact, we see that God often likes to move in places of barrenness simply because those are the places that we trust God the most. So God creates greatness, listen, out of barrenness. So don't look at your barrenness and say, oh man, I I have no hope. No, no, no. Understand that there is barrenness, there is hope for greatness. And how many know that, that you only get a promise when you need one? Right? So we can, we can live life like totally fulfilled and everything taken care of. You don't need promises. But God is so gracious that he provides promise for those of us that need it. Amen? And so Genesis chapter 25, this is where the story begins. It says, Isaac, his father again, and, and mother, barren, Isaac pleaded with the Lord on behalf of his wife because she was unable to have children. And the Lord answered Isaac's prayer. Amen. And Rebecca became pregnant with twins. How many know sometimes God likes to show off a little bit? He didn't just give him a baby. He didn't just give them a, a baby. He gave them two babies. Come on, talk about double portion. Talk about blessing. Talk about God doing exceedingly abundantly above whatever you ask or think according to the power that is within you. Come on, we're talking about when we ask, God over delivers. In fact, he didn't just give them two babies. He gave them two nations as we read the story here. But but the two children, here it is, verse 22, but the two children struggled with each other in the womb. So she went to ask the Lord about it. Before she's asking, Lord, help me get pregnant. Now she's saying, what's going on in my pregnancy? Why is this happening to me? And the Lord told her, the sons in your womb will become two nations. From the very beginning, the two nations will be rivals. One nation will be stronger than the other, meaning also one child will be stronger than the other. And your older son will serve your younger son. Now that's not the way it's supposed to be, right? The oldest is supposed to be first, but God is saying, I'm going to flip the script. I'm going to make the older son serve the younger son. The, the younger son will be the one who gets the rights from heaven. And when the time came to give birth, Rebecca discovered that she did indeed have twins. 
The first one was very red at birth and covered with thick hair like a fur coat. So this is Esau coming out. He's red and hairy like a fur coat. I mean, that's, that's pretty hairy. He's like the bearded baby comes out of the belly. I mean, here it is. You know what I mean? What dad wouldn't be proud of that? Come on. Look at this boy. Look at this, look at this hairy ginger specimen of a man coming out of the belly with big old bush beard. I mean, immediately we have a problem because we don't see this description with Jacob. I mean, I mean, if you're Jacob and you're looking over there at your brother and he's got a, you know, I'm not talking about like a little, you know, a little puberty mustache at 11. I'm talking about a full-grown beard at birth. Maybe I'm exaggerating just a little bit. But we know that he was hairy. So they named him Esau. The other twin was born with his hand grabbing Esau's heel. Totally unlikely. I will also come out first. Grasping Esau's heel in the womb, struggling, coming out of the womb, holding on, trying to cut the line, trying to get ahead, grabbing Esau's heel. So they named him Jacob, which means deceiver, which means supplanter. Supplanters like to cut in line. Isaac was 60 years old. Now, when it says that, it basically is telling you that it took them 20 years to conceive after the promise, when the twins were born. And as the boys grew up, Esau became a skillful hunter. He was an outdoorsman. Now, what dad wouldn't be proud of that? Look at that. Look at my boy. But Jacob had a quiet temperament. He was an introvert, preferring to stay at home. Other translations say staying among the tents, living with mama. Isaac loved Esau because he enjoyed eating the wild game. (laughs) But Rebecca, Rebecca loved Jacob. When promise becomes flesh, it's more, it's oftentimes more than we expect, right? Not just two kids, two nations. So we have Rebecca in this story when she goes to the Lord and she says, hey, she says, what's, what's happening in my belly? You know, you know sometimes we're, we're barren and then now there's a baby and now because there's a baby, there's a battle. There's a battle. Why is there a battle? Because there's greatness inside of you, right? How many know that, that, that when, when everything's, when you, when you don't have anything to believe for, it's just, everything's just okay. When, when nothing good is happening in your life, then you know, if something great is going to happen, then all hell breaks loose to keep it from happening. And so we, this, is, this is happening. So oftentimes we'll spend countless hours praying for something, but we don't always prepare for the fulfillment of that promise. So here they were praying. Lord made me pregnant. Now she's pregnant. She's like, what is happening? Are you prepared for the fulfillment? I mean, we want the promise, but are you preparing for the fulfillment? I mean, this is the year of the green light. You need to move forward. But do you know how to drive? Beloved, pray for your promise. Pray for your promise, but prepare for the fulfillment. Stretch the tin outs. Get ready. Get ready. Get ready. Pray for the promise. But prepare for the fulfillment. 
Proverbs 14.4 says this, without oxen, a stable stays clean. But you need a strong ox for a large harvest. What's that saying? It's like, well, if you want everything just nice and tidy, then don't expect anything great to happen. Understand this, when the harvest comes, so does the mess. Then you got to clean up the poop. But we're glad to clean up the poop because we got the harvest. You got to buy the field. See, blessings can be messy. Blessings are a hot mess. Come on, we want them. We want them in our life. But they're messy. Are you prepared? Prepare for the fulfillment. See, there was greatness in the womb. Greatness in this man named Jacob. Jacob was great. Greatness in the womb. See, I believe in the eyes of God, Jacob's name was always Israel. But his behavior took over his identity, not the other way around. So Jacob is born for greatness. I mean, here's the God that would become not just the God who, would, who, who people would refer to as not just the God of Abraham and Isaac, but also the God of Jacob. This is before that. So before he's born, it's just the God of Abraham and Isaac. And now it's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I mean, greatness. That is a a common phrase used throughout the scripture. I mean, this is the God that the nation of Israel, the great nation of Israel would be named after. This is the guy, the 12 tribes of that great nation would be named after this man. This is the God, this is the greatest thing, that Jesus would come from his lineage. I mean, Jacob is key in our history with Jesus. Yet he's born striving for that greatness. Not striving from that greatness, but striving for it. See, he was already chosen. He was already qualified, but he would spend much of his life proving himself. Fighting for the approval of his father, despising his brother. He would even fight God for something that was already his. See, greatness always carries that tension. There's always a tension. See, the reason why you struggle so much, the reason why you strive so much is because there is greatness inside of you. But beloved, don't strive from the wrong place. Don't strive for things. Strive from your position in Jesus. Striving must come from the right posture. There is greatness inside of you. There will be a struggle. But make sure that your posture is right. See, striving is is, is part of Jacob's nature. We see him in the womb. Don't we? I mean, we see him in the womb. He's striving. We see him wrestling in the womb. We see him grabbing the heel of his brother coming out. I mean, it's his personality. It's who he is. Heel grabber. Supplanter. This this quiet, passive-aggressive striver. We know it says that he had a quiet temperament. His introvert, when we think of someone that's, that, that's a deceiver, we think of someone who's loud, you know, they're like an Enneagram 9 or 1, 
right? They're like a D on the, on the disc chart, right? They're choleric. We think, we think deceivers, we think people that are, that are loud and boisterous, but here we have this introverted, sneaky, passive aggressive deceiver named Jacob. It's just his nature. He was born that way. You met anybody that's born that way? See, the reality is, is your natural gifts and strengths are overrated. The things that get you in trouble are the same things that get you out of trouble. (laughs) The same things that get you promoted are the same things that get you in trouble. See, your greatest strength oftentimes is your greatest weakness. And we go, it's my nature. See, God doesn't need your gifting. God doesn't need your personality. He doesn't need your strengths. He doesn't need your passion. He wants your dependence. He wants your dependence. See, if God wanted, if God wanted gifting, he would have picked Esau. Because Esau was gifted. Esau was driven. Esau was sharp. Esau had a beard. He was set up for success. His dad loved him. In the kingdom, it don't work like that. God don't pick you because you're gifted. God don't pick you because you have the best personality. Jesus said it this way, John chapter 3, verse 3. He said, I'll tell you the truth, unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. It's not about you. See, when we're too focused on our own nature, we tend to, tend to remove God from the equation. Don't we? It's just the way I am. It's the way that I'm built. I'm really good at this. I'm really bad at that. Excuses, excuses. Or pride, boasting. See, he strives just like we strive. And the problem with that is we become self-dependent or we become insecure. So this is what happens when we rely on our nature. We become independent. Or we become insecure. And we see this with Jacob. Jacob was dependent enough to make it happen. To figure out a way. To deceive. To strive. To con. To grab heels. To hustle. It was in his nature. But he also had some insecurities. I wish dad loved me. Like he loves Esau. I'll just pretend to be like Esau. A lot of striving for all of us comes from a place of insecurity. Most of it comes from insecurity or independence. So his nature. The second thing about Jacob that made him a striver was his nurture. See, Jacob isn't the only striver in this story. He's got a mom named Rebecca, and 
Jacob's a mama's boy. I mean, he hung out all day with mama doing dishes. Making sandwiches. Y'all know I'm playing. Doing the hard work of a mother. Come on. That's right. We know y'all do the real work. Jacob was a mama's boy. So he wasn't just born a striver. He was actually nurtured as a striver. So it wasn't just in his nature. It was actually in his nurture. He learned to be a striver from another striver, his mama. You know what you should do, Jacob? You should pretend to be like your brother. See, Rebecca had heard what the Lord said. And she was going to make sure that she made it happen. I heard what the Lord said. I'm going to do what God said. She would spend a lot of time behind the scenes making sure that God's will happened. How justifiable to be sneaky, to be deceptive when you're doing it for God. I know this is what God wants, so I'll do anything in my power to make it happen. See, she wanted God's will, but didn't do it God's way. And many times we say, I want the will of God because we're talking about a destination. We're talking about a product. We're talking about something at the end of the line. But listen, beloved, God is just concerned about the process as he is the promise. Don't forget who you're becoming. Do not forget who you are becoming in the process of getting what you want or in the process of doing God's will. Because I've seen many people trying to do God's will but not doing it God's way. And they never become who they're supposed to be. They're just busy doers, religious doers. And the end doesn't always justify the means. So that's a warning to us to say, don't let people nurture the wrong strive in you. When you have something that's broken in your nature, don't allow people to affirm that's just the way you are. Jacob, you were born a deceiver when you came out of that belly you had your brothers you were born this way you were born to deceive your brother you're you're really good at being sneaky and conning other people we're doing it for the glory of god don't let people don't let people nurture what's wrong in you don't let people nurture the wrong strive in you because you're gonna strive what's it look like See, it's, it's not just how you win. It's not just if you win. It's how you win. How many know that you can win the game, you can, but you can have a moral loss? We talk about moral victories all the time. You can have a moral loss even if you win the game. See, the promise is not what, just what you possess, but who you become. That's the promise. 
The promise is who you are becoming in the process. The reason why this story hits home to me so much is because I'm just like Jacob. Just like him. Sometimes I, I, I see myself through the, the lens of my gifting. And that causes me to get puffy. What's funny is sometimes when I'm looking through myself through the lens of my gifting, sometimes also I get into comparison and I feel insecure. Sometimes I, I look at my greatness through the lens of the opinions of others. This is Jacob. It's that Jacob in me. Mom, mom loves me, but I, I wish dad loved me. But I'll, I'll make sure I keep mom's love by doing all the things that I know are wrong. I'll go ahead and do it just to make her happy. But I'll also pretend to be like my brother to get dad happy. So sometimes I'm just like Jacob. And because of that, I hustle. I work hard. I grind. Put in the extra hour. I read another book. I listen to another podcast. I strive, I strive, I strive, I strive. There's nothing wrong with any of those things, but if it's coming from the wrong place, it can do as much damage as it does good. Listen, if I, I, I think if I, if I don't burn the candle at both ends, then, then I won't be great. If I don't spend another hour studying for this test, I won't be great. Striving for the approval of people. If I don't grab the heel of my brother, if I don't play the upper hand, if I don't tell the better story, I won't be great. Jacob. The whole thing is this. If I don't perform, nobody will like me. If I don't perform well, nobody will love me. Call me Jacob. And this is what we do most of our lives. Even when we come to Jesus, just want, just want to be influential. We, we, add, we add all these words to make it sound noble, don't we? I do it all the time. I'm pretty good at it. Pretty good at being sneaky. <laughs> So I want to help you today, because oftentimes i got to halt the hustle. Look at your neighbor and say, halt the hustle. Say, halt. you get your hand up there now. Come on, say, halt the hustle. Halt the hustle. Just stop that hustling. Listen, I'm all about the hustle. i got a, on my webpage, on my, my, my Pastor Josh leadership page, I have, a, I have a banner on the front page. There's a coffee mug on there that says, hustle. I'm like, you need to put in the hard work. I'm all about the hustle, but am I hustling from the right space in my heart? Am I hustling from who I am, or am I just trying to get something? Halt the hustle. Number one, you got to stop fighting for the wrong approval. Who are you trying to please? And for all the more, we're all people-oriented, by the way, but for, the, for those of us that are extremely people-oriented, it's everybody. I just want everybody to be happy. So we run around hustling, putting out fires. Keeping our mouth, you know. Just want to make everybody happy. 
What a miserable objective. <laughs> Impossible. Even God can't make everybody happy. <laughs> you think you can? I mean, Jesus said that people will hate us because of him. We're so caught up trying to get the approval of the world that we've stopped trying to get God to approve of our lifestyle. So he said, I, I'll have everybody else like us, and Jesus is going to be going, what are you doing? You're supposed to be different. Be who you are. See, the promise was from God, so stop trying to get it from people. We do so much to get affirmed, to be liked, to be loved. Galatians 1.10. I love Paul says this. He says, am I trying to win the approval of men or am I, or of God? Am I trying to please men? If I were still trying to please men, I would not be a servant of God. Because oftentimes, doing things God's way means people won't like it. But Jacob had a woman to please. He had a mama to please. He had a dad. He was striving for his approval. See, we function from and towards the approval of God. You're already pre-qualified. When we talk about pre-qualified, I'm not talking about one of those letters you get in the mail from a creditor saying you've been pre-qualified, and you call, and they're like, well, I need to run your numbers. No, no, no. You got really pre-qualified in Jesus. That's where you start. You're already qualified by God. You're already approved. He already said, yes, I want you. Come on in. And then we live from that approval to honor him in our lifestyle. The second thing we got to do, if we're going to halt the hustle. Everybody say halt the hustle. Give into grace. Give into that grace that the Lord showed you. See, we say it's all about grace, and then we work our ears off to make God happy. Instead of realizing he's already happy and living from that. And then we're happy when we obey him. Like, you have to obey God because he's in a good mood. Not like God's going to get me if I don't do this. Stop it, Jacob. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8. God saved you by his grace when you believed, not when you behaved. But when you believed, you just got to believe to belong. You can't take credit from it. It's a gift from God. You don't get to say, you don't get to stand before God when you die. And him say, why should I let you into heaven? And you go, because I did this, that, and the other. Look at my list, God. He's looking at that list going, that's so small. But you strived your whole life to do it. I just want to please God. I just want to please God. And he's going, I just want you to check the boxes as I trust Jesus. See, salvation is not a reward for the good things we've done. So none of us can boast about it. For we are God's masterpiece. He already calls you beautiful. He already calls you Israel. You're already Israel in his mind. You're God's masterpiece. In the Greek, that's poetic masterpiece. 
God wrote a poetic masterpiece. He wrote a number one hit that lasts for ages. And your name, it's about you. The song's about you. He has created us anew. Again, that born again. He created you anew. He recreated you in Christ so we can do the good things. See, God's plans for you are so much bigger than you, you can't accomplish them. You've got to die to accomplish them so you can be reborn. And now that you're reborn, you have the capacity to do what God set you up for. You can't do it. You can't do what God has called you to do. You've got to be born a second time to do that. And they're way better than what you can do. So give in to that grace. It's good. It's good news. Give into it. Number three, settle down. Settle down. Stop it. Relax, bro. Chill. You need to take a holy chill pill. This is me. About every day, I'm like, relax. Why are you so worked up? Why are you so striving? Just, just, just rest. You know why Jesus didn't emphasize the, the Sabbath so much? Because he is the Sabbath. (laughs) He is the rest. He's the perfect rest. Settle down. Psalms 46, 10. 10, Be still and know that I'm God. Be. Be is the beginning of belonging. Be is the beginning of behaving and believing. Just be. Be in him. Be still. Halt the hustle. Stop. And just be before God as a child of God. And believe that what Jesus did on the cross is enough. Number four, establish a new stride. Establish a new stride. And if you want to say strive, if you want to trade out that D, you can do that for a V. You can do that. Establish a new stride. Establish a new strive. See, depending on Jesus, this is what the strive looks like, depending on Jesus by focusing on Jesus. It's never been about the work that we do. It's just about the man that we're in love with. It's just about the one that we're focusing on. See, our striving should never be to exercise our strength, but to depend on his. The goal of my life is to get rid of Jacob. The Jacob in me, the striver in me. The goal of my life is to lay Josh Brown down. And to pursue Jesus. When we say it's all about Jesus, that's what we're saying. We're saying it's not about my works. It's not about my deeds. It's not about how high I jumped in worship or how disciplined I was when I read my Bible. You should be doing all of that, even the jumping in worship part. It's about Him. The work that I do, the family that I raise. Everything is just 
about Jesus. And this is why Paul talks about it in Philippians chapter 3. You don't know if you know this, but Paul was an expert at the law. He was as good as you can be at performance. In fact, he was killing Christians because they weren't performing well enough. How's that? So he says this, I obeyed the law, the Mosaic law. You read, we've talked about that before. That's a lot of laws. I obeyed the law without fault. It's intense. I once thought these things were valuable, obeying the law, but now I consider them worthless. All the things that I did by obeying the law, I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. Yes, everything else is worthless when compared to the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. What I can do is so insignificant. It's all so insignificant compared to knowing Jesus. That's significant. That's worth striving for. That's worth going after. It doesn't matter if people know my name. It doesn't matter how much influence I have. For me, it's not how many, how many people are showing up at the church. It's not even about how many people are giving their lives to Jesus. I want all those things to happen. All those things are so little compared to knowing him. For his sake, I've discarded everything else, counting them all as garbage. One translation uses the word dung. You know what dung is? Poop. Rubbish. Because trash and poop went to the same place. It's still that way in Haiti. Counting it all as garbage so I could gain Christ. So I could gain Christ and become one with him. I no longer count on my own righteousness through obeying the law. Rather, I become I become righteous through faith, through trusting Christ. For God's way of making us right with himself depends on faith. It depends on trust so you don't get right with God because you behaved well. You become right with God because you believe on Jesus whom God has sent. This is what makes you a child of God. This is what makes you born again. That he says that I made that faith and then he says this, and the one that saved me, I want to know him. The door has been opened. I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. I want to suffer with him, sharing in his death, so that one way or the other I will experience the resurrection from the dead. I don't mean to say that I've already achieved these things. I'm I'm, I'm really like just out the gate of knowing Jesus. I mean, I'm, I'm barely knowing, but I know him. And I'm knowing him more. But I press on, and here he, go, here he talks about the new strive. I press on to possess that perfection, which is in Christ, that he first possessed me. I want to possess him like he possesses me. No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved that, but I do focus on one thing, forgetting the past, forgetting the strive, forgetting the old Jacob, forgetting Jacob and looking forward to what lays ahead. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize from which God through Christ Jesus is calling us. You know what that prize is? Knowing Jesus. The prize isn't streets filled with gold and mansions and him. The prize is Jesus. He's the prize. 
said, enough, beloved. I have him. I know him. And I'm knowing him more. Our new strive is knowing and depending on Jesus. So my question as we close today is this. What are you striving for? Listen, there's greatness inside of you. I know that you're striving. I know that one way or the other you are striving. But where's it coming from? What are you striving for? The ministry team's going to come up, and I, I need to ask you this today. Are you tired? Are you tired of performing? Go ahead and come up, guys. Are you tired of performing? I have this altar call about every day. <laughs> I get tired. Are you tired? Jesus said this. Are you tired? Are you weary? Are you heavy? Are you burdened? Are you weighed down with life? He says, come to me. Come to me. He says something along the lines of this. I'm easy going. I'll give you rest. I'll give rest for your souls. Take my yoke upon you.